All right, here I go. Episode eight. Episode eight is a discussion of two articles again. Uh, the first one being Don't Waste the Warm-Up by Mike Walkerton, a long-term contributor of the CrossFit, to the CrossFit Journal, um, and he raises some great points about us being us as coaches being on at all times in a class. And the second one is going to be evidence-based risk assessment and recommendations for physical activity clearance. It's a consensus document from 2011 by Warburton D and others back in July of 2011. It's a scientific paper that's assessing the, the effectiveness, I guess, of the PARQ um, pre-screening documents and then the the resultant recommendations um, that have been given relative to people's physical capacities or physical limitations. All right, let's talk about the first one. Don't waste the warm-up. In this, Mike pretty much just talks about how it is easy to overlook the value, I guess, of the warm-up and perhaps to see it as a soft part of the class that doesn't really need your attention and and probably nothing is further from the truth and, and definitely he hasn't suggested that he's just suggested that you know we might sneak off to it for a toilet break or creep bite of food or get some water whilst athletes are warming up and I guess one of the things to consider in a coaching environment is where can I do my coaching you know am I going to coach people whilst they're under intensity um, more effectively or if they're not under intensity. And I would put to you that the best coaching comes when there is less on the line. That, that, that's warm-up time. So if people are doing some squats in warm-up, rather than continue to uh, support this idea of, oh, yeah, but these ones don't count, I'm just warming up, this is where you create a culture of, hey, make it good from the start. So there's a couple of bits and pieces that jump into my mind as I, as I talk about that. And, and the first is sort of our air squat, uh, overhead squat with a stick warm-up that, that regularly goes down on the level ones. We do squat therapy and people suggest, we suggest, and hey, that'd be a great way to warm you up for a squat day, right? Do, do multiple air squats, multiple front squats, multiple overhead squats, paying particular attention to the points of performance. Now, in reality, and everyone usually nods, they're like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. That was really hard work. But in reality, when you put these things to your class in a you know, regular affiliate setting, people crash in the bottom, they you know, rush through it because they don't see the value and perhaps don't get the feedback from the stick or from the air squat that they get from the barbell. So there's, an, there's this uh, uh, perception that it doesn't count because I'm not getting any feedback. And I always counter that to my coaches or to coaches that I'm coaching, say, hey, you provide the feedback. If somebody hasn't got a physical feedback, they'll need a, a coach feedback. Hey, great job there on your heel pressure. Great job on your knee alignment with your toes. I love how your back didn't change. I want you to pause there because if you go further, your back is changing. Now, people often regularly to this day and every day look at me like I'm crazy when I ask them to not go down as deep because they misinterpret the squat as being a nothing unless it hits the arbitrary ranges of motion. What do we know about the human body? Well, neurologically, those, those uh, patterns slowly can improve and you'll see via some eccentric training or just by basically warming up that people's ranges of motion can improve and increase 
throughout a single session, and that is uh, one of the important parts of a warm-up. So I'll regularly tell people in the first couple of sets, these ones don't count, none of it counts unless you're in good position. So take your time, go as deep as you feel comfortable today, and let's see if we can add to that by pausing in the bottom and then sinking down a little bit. And really, I'm just talking about the, the squat there. So to, and I've digressed from Mike's article, but he's essentially saying just because you've thrown something that's going to keep people busy for five or six minutes doesn't mean you can then switch off. And we're doing some volume pieces at the moment in our programming, and they're always six minutes, and they've always got, say, three or four exercises. And yesterday we had good mornings and overhead squats. And as much as I could look at the session and go, sweet, I get through this, and then I got people front squatting, and then we're into the wad, I could essentially say, there goes the hour. Each of those pieces has a different coaching requirement. So in the good mornings, I'm going to focus on people's shoulders going straight down rather than their shoulders coming forward so that the emphasis is on the hinge at the hips and the movement um, being directed backwards from the ankle and the knee. And with the bar being a, a bit of a counterbalance as it's only slightly forward of that frontal plane as opposed to the error, which would be the shoulders moving forward um, and putting more pressure on the back. In the overhead squat, I pretty much have just articulated what I said to everybody. Hey, these are the first squats of the day and they're the hardest squat that we have, overhead squat. So take your time, get to wherever it feels good for you, pause and then sink. Now, warm-ups provide that opportunity for people to not feel like they're being judged or being under any um, unnecessary stress because... It's just the warm-up. Like, it doesn't count. It doesn't count towards anything except making you better. So uh, the, I could, could not agree more with Mike that regardless of what you've chosen for the warm-up, you know, if it's just jumping rope or skipping or jumping on the rower or even running. You know, the old, uh, old days of CrossFit Townsville, before it was CrossFit Townsville, we'd just yell out block run and send people on a run around the block we knew that we'd bought ourselves three or four minutes to sit around and talk shit. Now, great fun. Definitely don't recommend it because I'm missing out on seeing everybody run and, and whether their ankles collapse or their knees are valgus or varus or they've got a, a heavy strike, what their core stability is like, what their breathing pattern is. All these things can be determined on the warm-up or even just hanging out with a couple of athletes and getting to know them a little bit better to find out whether they're in a good headspace today or not. All these things require us to be switched on and engaged throughout the warm-up. That's, you know, it's a, it's a great article. Just a reminder, it's a little bit of a kick up the ass to do your job. Um, those things pop up from time to time on social media and, and are worth, worth not getting offended at. And I can think of a couple of posts, um, whether it's Bergeron's comp train stuff talking about how coaching is often about making an emotional investment and relationship with your athletes which I completely agree with or something like Active Life RX to love a bit of clickbait and they'll often throw up something like you should never be training in the class with your athletes all these things are fantastic for getting you thinking and I think when we coach a class the warm-up is the most it's the most accessible point for you to communicate with your athletes, to slow them down, to stop them, to ask them to do things, to try to communicate ideas. And it would be an absolutely missed opportunity if you just switch off or disappear or 
you know, let them run that bit on their own and then just swing back in when it's time to load some weight on the bar or um, attack some intensity in a, in a Metcon. I want to put a little full stop there, but they sort of tie in together these two articles. The second article, I'm not going to lie, I started reading it and I went, wow, this is full on. And, and I'd encourage you to, uh, to read it in as much depth as you feel comfortable. But also remembering the purpose of this podcast is to try and prepare people for the CrossFit Level 3 test. Now, this article I could only suggest is probably built into the study material to ensure that people have a, one, a resource. I think it's a fairly good resource, even though it's over 10 years old. There's a good resource around dealing with the um, medical situations or physiological situations that people might present with as they, as they come to your gym. And the uh, PARQ or the PARMED-X are these pretty widely uh, supported pre-workout questionnaires that exercise scientists have all had exposure to. I can remember touching them in my degree. Um, in Cert 3 and 4, they're, they're touted as being quite an um, industry standard. And, and it makes me want to talk about my experience with pre-exercise questionnaires and, and that whole um, subject in general. And I guess complete honesty is that I don't really do it. Uh, I think maybe that's just the arrogance of being a coach for so long, uh, but I also carry with my carry with that arrogance and knowing that I have to do my job really well every single time. And this is where the two articles perhaps intersect, is that the warm-up is your chance to slowly assess people in that couple of minutes for new problems that maybe they didn't report to you because they've been training there for three years, things that have manifested since they've had a chance to do their pre-workout questionnaire um that time you can also remind yourself of oh yeah that's right that's bob bob takes it easy because bob's had you know three strokes now if you don't know your athletes i I would hazard to say that if you get everyone to fill out a pre-workout questionnaire unless you're a meticulous studier and a note creator and a systems designer those pre-workout questionnaires aren't going to be that useful for you to then coach that whole group in front of you. In a PT situation, sure, you've got one athlete, they've listed down some, uh, some, some health concerns and you go, right, I'm going to research what this particular um, spinal cord injury uh, limitations are or whatever the situation may be. You get a class of 10 people, 5 people, 25 people, and they're in front of you, you, you've got to get the thing rolling. And at the same time, you've got to maintain a duty of care or, or a safe environment for all those people working out. Now, the warm-up is the best place for it. Open-ended statements are very useful. Hey, if you are unable to do this, then I'd like you to do this. But then you've also got to just watch people. And the more you know them, the more you can be more prescriptive rather than just descriptive. As an example, we often will throw to our athletes, hey, if you're not running, jump on a bike. And that gives me a straightaway, anyone who's like, I just don't want to run. But now I have to further investigate. Who is running that I know probably shouldn't be running? Whoa, 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 uh, Jill. 
that plantar fasciitis, you know, this the sore bottom of your foot that you had three weeks ago, how's that going? Oh, I've been resting it and it seems pretty good. So now I have to draw on my experience and my knowledge of Jill's previous injury and say, well, here's what I want you to do, Jill. We're going to go bike for one little bit and then I want you to trial a run just for a couple hundred meters and just see how it feels. And even still, this is imprecise. But what I'm looking to do here is not to let Jill just run herself back into a state of inflamed plantar fasciitis. On the flip side, hey, why aren't you running? Oh, I just don't want to. Or I haven't been working on my running. That that also provides this opportunity for me to say, well, is this athlete missing out on something motivationally? Um, do we have an injury that they just don't want to talk to me about? And again, you know, we can't stress enough that the previous article was on point with the warm-up giving us an opportunity to really connect with our athletes. What if I, if I dive back into the second article now, what I think is important and really valuable is this, this uh, there's some closing statements that I loved. And the closing statement was to the effect of regular physical activity holds so many more advantages that such that they outweigh the short in the long term, such that they outweigh the short term increases in risk. And I think as trainers, we have to be, especially where you're an employee of somebody else, so you don't wear the hurt if a, uh, a client gets a big old heart attack and it was your fault because you shouldn't have made them do that thing. But as trainers, we have to be mindful of mitigating the, uh, the acute risk, which is actually, I would, I would put that the, mitigating the acute risk is not too difficult. It just requires us to not push everybody super, super hard. And who should we be pushing hard? Eventually everyone, I'll pay that. Intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with maximizing the rate of return on favorable adaptations to exercise. So if everyone should be chasing some intensity eventually, let's start off with getting to know your athletes. And, and a few athletes jump to my mind at the moment. We've got a group of people that only come in once a week. Um, then They're not gonna get the best out of us yet they might eventually but we don't know them very well and it doesn't matter how much they go well here you go here's here's all the information you could possibly need my style of training my partner's style of training is to to learn how people train by training them and so again it comes back to these ideas that making somebody have the best experience they can and stay in your in your four walls is almost the same as giving them the best long-term outcomes because the longer that you're coaching them, the better you get to know them. The better you get to know them, provided you don't get complacent, the better you can coach them. And and I just can't stress, not stress, it's not my place to stress or tell you how to do your job. But for me, that is the crux of my um, operating process is get to know the athletes, coach the athletes based on your awareness of all the things they like, all the things they don't like, their exist their old injuries and new injuries, talk them through that process. As I see one of my athletes, I'm like, hey, uh, tell me, we've got something going on with that shoulder, haven't we? Oh, yeah, no, that's coming good. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a to and a fro in that. You, know, you don't always want to remind people about injuries that they've previously had. But at the same time, in an effort to show that you care and show that you remember, it's good to connect with the athletes and check their progress on that, those bits and pieces. At the same time, you know, if, if someone's looking remarkably good, hey, that overhead position is looking great. 
I can, I can remember only three or four weeks ago that we had a scrunched up face because we had some sort of impingement going on. And then that creates a conversation of progress and that lets people remind, reminds people that you know what they've been going through and that you're caring enough to remember and noted their improvement. I mean, progress is progress and progress is what generally will keep people in the door. Them um, finding value in the investment of time and, and definitely money. The, uh, the discussion of this second article that I've just done is so superficial compared to the article's depth. This article is full on. I'm just scrolling through now to find one um, just so that I can, I guess, read something to you because I don't know that even though you should be, not should be, but even though some of you... Um, if you want to get the most out of these podcasts and you're studying, read the articles and listen to the podcast. But if you're not listening to the podcast, it would be something something like this that uh, makes me think that this article is de- in depth. Recommendation number 10, people with subacute low back pain for four to eight weeks, but without serious underlying pathology can safely perform physical activity that includes walking, cycling, stretching, trunk and limb strengthening, and progressive strength and postural training of the back and abdominal muscles, level two, grade B. Now they'll they'll interpret that. And I can push through and read the interpretation. Limited studies suggest that physical activity is safe and effective in people with subacute lower back pain, but without serious underlying pathology. We support the rec- recommendations of Chillerbeck and colleagues in 2011. A wide range of physical activities can be performed by such individual and the benefits of physical activity outweigh the risk. However, further research is required to identify more clearly the optimal means of reducing pain and improving functional status in those with subacute back pain. That's me reading a fair bit, so apologies if you've wasted two minutes of your life. What I want to put to you is that as much as that's academically correct, none of that is useful for me. When someone comes in and says their back's been sore for four, four or five weeks, I check this document, says, yep, you can do physical activity, here's all the things you can do, but we don't really know what you can do. Those are very generic terms. Essentially, that's saying you can do everything um, as long as it's not too intense. So much vague uh, lack of guidance that I have to be a good coach, and really, I always err on the side of undercooking someone. Here's what we're going to do. Your back's pain. Back, back, back is sore. Let's do things that don't hurt at first. Now, let's do things that could potentially hurt it if they were loaded too heavily or done too fast, but let's do them really light and slowly and see if there's pain there. If we can get through those movements, perhaps it's flexion, extension, perhaps it's hinging, and we, can get, we get no pain, great. We've got a start point. And from that start point, we can progressively add load. We can progressively add intensity and suddenly that person recovers. At least that's been my overwhelming experience over the last 10 to 15 years. What I want In reading that article, though, one of the things that did jump out at me of an area that you really have to be careful with or perhaps do a special populations class is the psychological piece. So if people with, with uh, um, developmental or psychological disorders, people who are not able to self-regulate easily, and it talks about athletes with Down syndrome or clients with Down syndrome being um, potentially having uh, neck instability and, and suddenly you have to be very careful around jumping, landing, running, um, 
inversions, all these things that are going to compound and increase the risk of that person having a very traumatic experience because you as the coach weren't ready for what they were, um, ready for their specific situation. So there are going to be times when we have to investigate further. And I think it never hurts to do more research. But in that instance, you just need to make sure that you're supervising uh the, the neck position for that athlete if they have if, if you've seen their diet their documents and they are a um what do they call it at low uh atlas and axis at low axle instable client then there's more um supervision and caution required around making sure they don't have a get a new neck injury that sometimes exists in just our regular clients too, people who identify as fit or identify as being capable might choose to ignore their situation temporarily and and do something they shouldn't. We sort of talk about that as making a stupid decision and then they they injure themselves further and and it's important for us, important that we, um, you know, look for those impending situations and avoid them wherever possible some good articles definitely uh, some good reads appreciate those of you that are tuning in to listen and uh, as always please reach out to me reach out to me say good day um, there's only five or six that read the last article so if all five people that read this one just message me in some way shape or form and say i like it or i didn't that'd be fantastic Anyway, thank you very much. That's Brett signing out for episode eight.